good morning. If you don't know me, my name is Ian. I'm one of the pastors here at FBC, and I'm just glad to see everyone here. It's a great, brisk morning. It's my favorite kind of weather. It just makes me happy. So if you see me and you know me and I'm a little more joyful this morning, it's because it's gloomy outside. Don't ask me why it works. <laughs> it's just me. Um, let's pray really quick, and we will get started. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for this day. I pray right now that as we go into your word this morning and as we just listen, Lord, that our hearts would be opened and our minds would be receptive to your word. I pray that we would just accept you and hear what you are saying through this passage this morning and just want to thank you for what you've done and who you are in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. So over the past few months, we have continually seen and heard about the life of Jesus Christ, who he is, how he acts, how he treats others, everything, every aspect of Jesus's life we have gotten to know, right? And now we're at this point where through this time, we, we were able to see the sovereignty of Jesus. We were able to see who he is. And Jesus is in ultimate control of everything. And I want to start with that this morning because I want to remind everybody about that. Because when we're sitting here and we're reading and we're listening to the stories and we're in church listening to one of us speak up here, we might think that, oh, I can't believe this happened. Oh, I can't believe that happened. And while it happens because sometimes... And a lot of times things happen because of our sin and our sinful nature as humans. Jesus, in his sovereignty, has the ability to maneuver himself that no matter what is happening, it is for his glory. And he uses those mistakes, our mistakes, for his glory. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning in one of the things. So... Jesus has now been arrested, right? We are now seeing him being taken and walked by the guards. And he has been, he is being walked to um, Annas, all right? And this is the father-in-law of the current high priest. And Annas was, at one point, the high priest, and Rome took him out of office. But they are taking him there first because... Just like Darren in the city of Benicia, he holds some weight and he can get things done. Okay. Annas had this position of power. <laughs> he had this position of power. Okay. So even though he wasn't in office anymore, even though he wasn't the current high priest, he still held weight. Okay, And they're taking him to him first because you got to remember that during this time, they are setting Jesus up. Everything that they're saying, everything that they're accusing Jesus of, Jesus didn't do. They are making a case against Jesus by lying. So they can't just go straight to the top. They can't go to the current person in charge because they need to get all their ducks in a row. They need to have some people in their corner. Okay, So they take him here. And they start speaking to him and speaking of what he's done wrong. 
But there's nothing that Jesus has done wrong, and everything that was asked of him and said towards him was in a way to provoke this false trial to take place to ultimately lead to the crucifixion of Christ. But it wasn't Jesus. It was the actions of others. It was the actions of Judas. Okay. This morning we're going to be talking about Peter and his actions and his denial and things that were happening and orchestrated. But Jesus was pure. Jesus was true. Jesus didn't do anything. And that's where we're at. But everything was happening in a way that Jesus positioned himself to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah 53. And that's what Jesus does. He uses those situations to maneuver himself to still fulfill his glory. And that's the amazing thing about Jesus. Is that he can use our faults to benefit his glory. If you have your Bible, you can open up to John 18. We're going to be reading starting at verse 15. It says, Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty, and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. There's number one. It was cold and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. So this is the first of three denials. And we remember that Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said, no, I won't. I will not do that. I love you. I will do anything for you. I will die for you. But this is the first one. This is the first time. And this was foretold by Jesus. But because Jesus has his hand in everything, we knew that Jesus knew this was going to happen. And he puts himself into the situation because of our sinful nature to fulfill what is needed because we needed to be saved from our sins. And this is where it starts because Jesus says, you're going to deny me, but I'm going to be here because you need forgiving. And that's all of us. So let's take a break right here just for a few minutes because I want to emphasize something that most of us probably don't think of. When we speak of Peter denying Jesus, a lot of times we really look at this as this negative part of Peter's life, which uh, in reality it is, okay? It's a low point of Jesus's life and his walk in faith, but Jesus places everything as it needs to be to fulfill what needs to be fulfilled, and we can take a breath in our life knowing that Jesus will use our faults in order to glorify his kingdom. So Peter failed and Peter sinned against God in his actions. But knowing this was happen, this would happen. The failures of Peter were used to not only build Peter up, 
but we're also used to glorify the kingdom of God. Okay? So Peter is human just like you and me. He does things wrong. He probably gets angry. Okay? But Jesus used this. And this denial, one thing I love about the Bible, obviously, is that every time I read a passage, even if I've read it over and over and over again, sometimes that's spoken to me in a different way. I hear something different, or Jesus speaks to me through a different passage. Okay? And I've read this many times. I know the story of Peter, and I know what happens. We know the denial that takes place, but what I found interesting as I was studying this time is that we spend a lot of time focusing on, oh, Peter did something wrong. Look at this fault that he had. But that's all of us. That's every single one of us in this room, in this world. We're Peter. We're no better. And we have our own faults. So this denial really hits home for me because if you claim to be Christian and follow Jesus in your life, you know that there is times that you're going to have highs and lows. Okay. When you go to church on Sundays, I would hope that you leave here in one of your highs. I would hope that you would hear something, feel something, embrace something during the service that would make you leave out into this sinful world feeling better, feeling more equipped, feeling positive, feeling, yes, I'm ready to go out there and kick down some doors for Jesus Christ. Okay? But... As a Christian, we also have lows, don't we? Because by Wednesday, I don't feel the way I felt on Sunday afternoon. Maybe things are happening in your life. Maybe people are cutting you off. Maybe people don't stop at stop signs in Benicia. I don't know. But things happen to all of us. And through those things and through those actions, our minds take a shift and then something might happen and somebody's talking to you or somebody might ask you a question. And in that moment, you should present Christ in your life. But because of how you feel and because of something that might be going on, maybe you don't give Jesus the glory in that situation. Maybe you don't tell people about Jesus in the conversation. And that's what I'm saying is that in these moments, you have highs and lows. So this is what's happening to Peter in this moment of denial. He was with Jesus for years, okay? Walking next to him, hearing everything he said, praising him, worshiping with him, praying next to him, hearing the stories firsthand, stories, not stories, stories firsthand from Jesus. And there was this moment in his life that he was no longer at his peak, but just a few moments ago, he was literally willing to, well, not willing, he cut off the ear of a guard because he was willing to defend and die for Jesus just a few moments ago when he was standing in the presence of Jesus. So you can imagine how devastating this was to not only Jesus, who already knew it was going to happen, but to Peter when it did happen. And he's like, whoa, I just did it. 
I just denied him. But how many of us do this in our daily life? We read the Bible, we go to church, we do the things. But then throughout our week, throughout our life, throughout our situations at work, in different ways, we deny Jesus through our actions, just like Peter did right here. This message this morning, as we continue, the thing that popped in my head as I was reading this week is that it is a message of hope and grace. Because it is a reminder that even though we fail, God doesn't. And since he doesn't fail, he can use all of our failures for his glory. And that's the hope that we have in Christ in our lives. And then the other part of that is the grace. Because since we fail, Jesus came, lived a perfect life, and suffered and died on a cross for us to show us the grace he has because he knew we couldn't do it. So if we go back to Luke 22, verse 31, Jesus tells Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all as wheat. And what Jesus is talking about here is knowing and understanding that although Peter is denying Christ in this moment, through that denial, Peter is going to grow and flourish and strengthen the mission of Jesus Christ in his life. So this situation actually fuels Peter, not in this moment, not in his low moment, but it fuels him later on. So this moment of doubt in the life of Peter, Jesus was able to use, build him up and make Peter a force to be reckoned with because we know of what Peter went through. So it looks harsh because we don't know beyond what we are doing. And it looks harsh because we don't understand further than what we're in the moment of. But Jesus, seeing and living, is able to know what circumstances are best to be placed in to glorify God and uses our faults to grow closer, to allow us to grow closer to him and grow the kingdom of God through his design. So remember, this, this, can, this will happen to all of us. So we're, we are sinful in nature, and we will make mistakes. But Jesus can use those mistakes for his benefit and his glory. So if you know that and realize that you can use the mistakes to fuel your fire for Jesus, I would encourage you to not give up. Just because you make a mistake, just because you fail at something in your day, don't stop. We have a chance every day to get out there and change the course of our actions. And through our doubt, we have the ability to trust God. So do you trust him enough in your own life to not deny him to those around you? And then do you trust him enough in your own life to know that when you do deny him, that he still loves you, still cares for you and still use you. So, you know, okay, I denied him. I don't have to give up though. It's not the end of it. So let's continue. In verse 19, it says, Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. 
I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I, am al- I, have, I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews came together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest? He demanded. If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testify as to what I, what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? So now we've transitioned from Peter to in the courtyard where Jesus is speaking and being questioned before Annas of this made up trial. And if we look back once again in chapter in John chapter 11, after the resurrection of Lazarus, there was a plot to kill Jesus. The Pharisees called a meeting of, of the Sanhedrin and started speaking about what Jesus was doing. And they said in John eleven forty eight, 48, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. So you see from this point forward, they wanted to place Jesus in a situation that would convict him of wrongdoing. But Jesus isn't allowing this through their conversation right now. So Jesus is aware of the law when he is being questioned by Annas and he simply replies in verse 20, I have spoken openly to the world. Jesus replied, I always taught in the synagogues or at the temple where the Jews came together and I said nothing in secret. So Jesus isn't going to allow them to put words in his mouth to make him seem like he is self-incriminating himself by choosing to respond to the questions they are asking. And if you think about it today, this is, this is how it is in our Fifth Amendment. And if you don't know the Fifth Amendment, and if you've only heard it in the movies or TV shows that you watch, it is the law that an individual, an individual cannot be compelled by the government to provide incriminating information about themselves. In shortened terms, it's the right to remain silent. It is the right to just be quiet. So, next thing, I want to ask you, how often do you think in your life you incriminate yourself? Through the actions that you do, through the things that you say, because you're not staying quiet. (laughs) Through your anger, you speak out and you incriminate yourself. So sometimes it pays to not feed into the situation. Sometimes it is a benefit to just be quiet. So we all are sinners and have things in our lives. But not only did Jesus not incriminate himself, he also didn't deny the truth either. He stuck to the truth and sometimes we shy away from it. And that's often the case. We get asked something and we're like, no. We take the route of Peter. We're like, no, I don't know him. No, I, don't, I didn't do that. But Jesus in his quietness and his, when he chose to respond was always truth. 
And that's what we need to learn. Is that first, shh, be quiet. Give yourself time to think. But when you choose to respond, respond in truth. Because if you respond in truth, you will never fail Christ. The world may not like it. The world may not agree with it. Your friends may not agree with you. Your work may not agree with you. But that's the world. But if you speak truth of Christ in your life, and when you choose to speak, you speak of his truth, you will never fail. So stand firm in your faith and against what others are saying to you because the truth of Jesus will always come out on top, even if you don't see it yet. So Jesus now is standing here, not allowing himself to be self-incriminated by the questions he is being asked. And so what Jesus is saying them to them is, call a witness. Ask for somebody to say what you are saying, to, to share the truth in what you are saying. But there is nobody. Because they're all lying. They're all making this up as they go. They're trying to trip him up, which is why they're asking him these questions, because they're like, if he responds to this one this way, we can pin him for it. But Jesus isn't doing that, and he's responding in a way to prove it. Show me who said that, because I haven't done anything in secret. And so now, one of the officials slaps Jesus. And this is because, in my mind, what I read here is that they're starting to see that they, have no, they're not, they don't have any bearing. They don't have any weight in this situation right now. They're trying to catch him up, and Jesus is not allowing it to happen. So one of the officials, probably out of anger, pride, hits Jesus and says, is this the way you speak to him? But then once again, we see Jesus say, if I did something wrong, testify to it. If I had said something wrong, tell me because I speak truth. And there was nothing they could say against him. So realizing they were getting nowhere, this is what happens. And as we continue, verse 24, then Annas sent him bound. All of a sudden blanked out on the word. <laughs> um, trying to think how to pronounce that word. Blanked out. Caiaphas. Yeah, let's go that way. <laughs> Sometimes I just shut off. You can ask Megan. Just be talking and I'm just like. Bloop. But to the high priest. And meanwhile, Simon Peter was standing there warming himself. Remember, he already denied Jesus once, right? And so they asked him as he's warming himself by the fire, because he's around the guards now and all the other servants. And they say, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. There's number two. And one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. <laughs> Whoops now challenges him and says, didn't I see you with him in the garden? Again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. So here was this chance for Peter to redeem himself from previously denying Jesus. 
But once again, he folds under pressure. But being caught in the heat of the moment, Peter did not do himself any favors, did he? Because he denied Christ. Instead, Peter completed the denial of Jesus that was foretold by Jesus prior. And through this, we continue to see the fact that Jesus has his hand in everything. Because although this was most likely very hard on Peter when it clicked and he realized what he had done, we can also see how this relates to us in our own lives. So don't discount what Peter has done or what we'll do in the future from these moments. Because just, just because Peter denied Jesus three times in this situation doesn't mean that Peter was unfaithful to Christ. He drew a sword, <laughs> cut off an ear to a guard to defend Jesus being arrested. And then we will see in the future after Jesus is resurrected and he comes to Peter and reinstates him, reestablishes Peter saying, hey, look, I know what you did, but I forgive you. And he reinstates that in Peter's life. And Peter goes on to become a powerhouse for Christ. And this is what God can do for you. He can take the moments that you see as failures because we can't see a lot of times further than the actions we're committing at that moment. But he sees further and he sees the moment in your Christian walk that you will be at your high and your low. And he uses them to build you up and guide you to become stronger. So allow Jesus to use your life for his purpose and don't give up. Don't stop when you mess up. And instead, allow yourself to be molded by God through those times. Through failure, we learn to succeed. And the only time we truly fail is when we choose to stop moving forward. If you quit, you failed. If you keep moving forward, you're just learning from your past mistakes. So I've stated before that in my younger years, I was not this stellar individual <laughs> that you see before you today. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm broken. I'm all over the place. But I was not very good. I was not nice. I was not following Christ. I didn't really even know who Christ was. I knew who God was. Didn't follow him. And I let myself lead myself down a path of destruction in my childhood But through those moments in my life that I kept feeling like I was failing, which meant I was continually like, I failed. What's the point? And then I would do something else. Well, oh, well, I'm just a failure. What's the point? I'll do something else. And I led myself down this. But Jesus used those situations to guide me and lead me to him. And as long as you're open-minded to that and understand that Jesus can do that in your life because now being in front of you today I'm preaching the word of God to you I'm no longer doing drugs I'm no longer drinking myself under a table I'm no longer doing the things that I felt were completing me in my childhood in my younger years and through the wrongs of my ways Jesus 
changed me. Jesus took hold of me. Jesus slapped me around a little bit, but I needed it. Okay? Through his word, I realized, oh, whoops. And the more and more I did something, the more and more he built me up. And I still fail every day, all the time. I am not perfect by a long shot, but God is. Because that's the great thing about being Christian. That's the great thing about accepting Christ into your heart is that we're not doing this because we're like, me, myself, is going to go down this path to become this perfect person. It's not going to happen. Let me tell you that right now. If you're getting into this situation saying, I'm going to become better, yes, you will become better, but you will never be perfect. But that's who Jesus is. Jesus is there to lift you up. Jesus is there to guide you. I don't remember the poem, but it's the footprints in the sand, I believe. And there's two sets of footprints, right? And then all of a sudden there's one. It's because in those moments, Jesus lifts you up and guides you, not the other way around. The reason why I'm Christian and why I believe in God and I accepted Christ into my heart was because I realized that I'm a failure in myself. I realized that, that through my own ambition and my own actions without the guidance of God in my life, that I will stumble continually. And even though now I will still stumble, Christ is there to guide me and pick me up. Christ is there to say, hey, I'm still here. Let me pick you up and let's walk together. And as you trip again, he's there to pick you up and continue to walk together. So you will continue to stumble. But you don't have to get up on your own because Christ is there to build you up. So the key theme that I'm seeing in this passage is that although there are two people under trial, Jesus is being questioned along the parallel that Peter is being questioned. I see the two themes that are happening. One, one, one person handled it through faith and strength. That was Jesus, obviously through faith and strength and the other handled it through doubt and fear. Because when we allow ourselves to get caught up in the moment, we will always fold under pressure. We will always have the doubt and fear in our life through our own sinful nature. And that's what happened. So we had these two different things. So while you see there, there were situations going on, and, we, and if we are in situations that are hard, a lot of times we avoid the situation, don't we? I'm not going to go over there and speak to that person. I'm not going to open the door for this person. I'm not going to have a conversation with Christ about this person because of what they'll think. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. Because through our own doubt of saying, I don't know, or maybe I'll say something wrong, we fold. 
But Jesus doesn't fold. And you got to remember something. When you're out there, when you're talking and when you're speaking with people about Jesus, it's not your words. We're just sharing his words. So it's that easy, just sharing him with others. And maybe you're not sharing the words, but you're sharing the actions of what he did in your life. So the example we see here is, yes, because we are human and sinful in nature, and we often fold under the pressure and choose a path of least resistance. But this is why Jesus did what he did, because he knew we would fail. And Jesus came, stood firm to defend us and build us up through the situations, through those situations in our lives. So you remember John 14, 6, when Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says this because we are incapable of doing this on our own. If you don't go through Christ and use his guidance and his strength, you're not going to get there. So it's through his firm foundation that we are strong, not our own. So if you think you are a failure... Or if you think there's things in your life that you have done, and maybe you're in a situation right now and you've denied Christ in your life like Peter did. And you're like, I did it again. And you're beating yourself up and you just feel down and out because of it. You're in the right place then. Because Jesus loves to restore you through those failures in your life. This morning, we're going to be taking the elements of communion in a little bit, in a few minutes, where you can ask Christ to cleanse you, where you can remember what he has done for you, when you can remember why we need him in our lives. So you may feel far from God this morning. You may not. But if you do feel far, remember that Jesus is always only one step away. Because the further we go away, we don't have to turn around and come all the way back to him. Because Jesus was like this with us. The whole time we were walking away, Jesus was next to us. And the moment you turn around, you're like, whoa, he's right there. Once you turn around and accept him. It's one step. It's always just one step. You can run away as far as you can for 10 years, it only takes one step to come back. So don't let your fear of failure control your life and make, your, make you feel insignificant. Instead, embrace the fact that through your failure, failure, we have a God who is there for you and will allow you to grow through those failures and teach you to become stronger for the mission of Christ in your own life. So this, this is why Jesus came to die on the cross. Because we are imperfect and incapable of being free from sin. But Jesus, being free from sin, and it, through his actions, through the trials, continues to show his perfect life. And it is because of his perfect life and death on the cross 
is why we have the ability to fail and learn. We then have the choice to learn and continue growing through the situations in order to become a better person for ourselves and for God in our life. It is because of this sacrifice that Peter was allowed to stumble and grow from it. And this is why you can stumble and grow from it as well. Jesus is the bread of life, and we need to remember what his sacrifice means for us in our lives, and that the blood was shed from his death on the cross to pay for our sins because we can't begin to pay that debt on our own. So let's pray, and then we'll take communion. Jesus, thank you for your message this morning. As we are here this morning, before we take the elements of communion, I pray that hearts that need mending, Lord, that you mend. And minds that need closure, Lord, you close. I pray right now through our sinful life, we continue to remember what you have done for us through your sacrifice on the cross. And when we continue to fail as Peter did, but you use the failure to glorify your kingdom and allow us to grow closer to you. I pray that you continue to guide us in our lives, even when we don't see it clearly. In your name we pray. Amen. As you came in this morning, you should have received the elements of communion. Um, If you didn't, I encourage you to raise your hand and one of us will graciously run and get you some. And at FBC, we, we practice an open communion here, which means if you are a follower of Jesus Christ in your life and has accepted him into your heart, we remember the sacrifice that was made through Jesus's communion and encourage you to partake in that. So when Jesus was speaking to his disciples and handed out the elements that we are about to take part in, he spoke to them of the sacrifice that was about to take place. In Luke 22, when he said, and he took the bread, he gave thanks and broke it, saying, this is my body for you. Take this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's take together. Amen.